Revelation 19. <clears throat> Couldn't believe we got through 10 verses the, the week before. And um, boy, that passage before, the Lord really just blessed that and just saw a lot of fruit come out of that evening and that teaching. Just some glorious, glorious things. As uh, we saw that word, hallelujah, used four times. The only four times it's used in the entire New Testament. You know, the ultimate praise to God being put forth because uh, it, it's the ushering in of what we're looking at tonight, the literal second coming of Jesus Christ. And this is spoken of in other places and uh, more details added in other places. But to me, this is the most clear picture of just the coming of the Lord. Now, it goes all the way through the end of 19, but this is the Lord coming in the clouds as he's coming to set foot on earth. And the previous chapters, we saw the fall of the harlot, that ecumenical one world religion at the end of the age, the one world economy. We begin to touch on it tonight. And between tonight and next week, we'll, fall, we'll see the full fall of the beast or the Antichrist, the false prophet, their political machine as that whole three-legged stool just implodes at the coming of the Lord. Again, we'll begin to touch on it tonight, but more so tonight, we're going to look at this event that really all creation longs for. Creation longs for this. Romans eight nineteen it says, for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. And that is, that is talking about us coming back with the Lord on these white horses. We'll read about that in a second. This is what's talked about in Jude uh, 14 and 15. It says, for creation was subjected to futility, not willingly. And we went in great detail in, about this in our study in Romans, how when man sinned, a curse came upon all of creation. And as beautiful as creation out there, this is the curse version. Can you imagine what glory is going to be like, the millennial reign of Christ is going to be like? Because the curse version is just incredibly glorious. Uh, no thorn or thistle and no trees browning in the back of your parking lot. And you're like, those can't die. We got to get more water on them. But because of him who subjected it in hope, and the hope was that Savior was going to come. That Savior, we talked about Sunday when the Lord prophesied that serpent would bruise his seal. But oh, the Lord Jesus crushed his head, did he not? At the cross of Calvary. And soon he is coming to fully take the deed of the earth and usher in that millennial reign of Christ. It says in verse 21, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of the corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains together until now. And as we see this world around us shaking and you know, you see the various unfoldings of those things talked about by the Lord in the Olivet Discourse, you need to know that that's not just, you know, it happening by chance, but it's those birth pains ushering in the Lord. And when we see those things, it is literally the creation groaning and laboring for that ushering in of what we're going to talk about tonight, the literal second coming of the Lord Jesus. Well, he'll step foot on earth. And let me ask you tonight, right off the bat, is Jesus your Lord? Can you say amen, Tim? Amen. Then, then if you ever wondered, where am I in the Bible? You're talked about here tonight. Ten thousands of his saints coming with them on white horses. That's speaking of the church. And so it should we should really be interested in this, you know. This is... This is great insight into, you know, 
what's going to unfold before us. So again, this is an event that all creation longs for. Really, every believer, you know, it has longed for. And maybe, you know what, there's some days where you don't as much as others. But you know what, I know we have those certain times and seasons where we really long for the Lord. I know over the last few years, more than ever, I've heard people, man, I just want Jesus to come back today. And we should thank God for every day, rejoice it every day. Every day is a gift, and it's not something that we got a death wish because we should be the most joyful people on earth. But the Lord says there's a crown for those that even long for his appearing. But you get a crown just for longing for his appearing, and we want to make sure we don't fall into fleshly thinking, thinking this is what it's about. You know, our lives are given to us here to live for the Lord, but we have a glorious future, an eternal future before us, and, and everything here is just so, so, uh, you know, j- just, just so, what's the right word here? Just low compared to the greatness that is waiting before us. And uh, what pops in my mind, we had uh, the memorial service on, on last Saturday for, for Dan Hathaway's wife, Carol, and they talked about how she loved playing games, board games, and someone shared a story how they played boardwalk one night, and she was so happy that she got Park Place. And I said before, you know what, if it was a Monopoly board, this is Baltic Avenue, and you know what, the Lord's boardwalk times infinity, you know, <laughs> just so glorious, going to be so good, and we got to put that before us. Again, it's the literal second coming of Christ. It has been prophesied about over and over again in the scripture. And again, it will usher in the millennial reign of Christ. Jude 14 puts it like this. It says, now Enoch, the seventh from Adam. So this is even before the flood. Even before the flood, there was prophecy before even the first coming of Christ about his second coming. And really when we talk about end times things, I think Enoch's the best guy to probably hear from there before the flood because we know Enoch did what? He walked with God and was not because God took him. It's a type of rapture in the scripture. Um, Hope that we have. But he prophesied uh, uh, about these men also saying, behold, the Lord comes with 10,000s. Notice, yes, it's pluralized, 10,000s. Not 10,000, 10,000s. Well, how many 10,000s? As many as the Lord knows that S covers 10,000s of his saints. Talking about the literal second coming of the Lord. With 10,000s of his saints. You're like, who are these saints? Are these some angels or something? No. Those sanctified in Jesus Christ. 10,000s of his saints. Notice to execute judgment. And we'll begin to see detail of that. We've been looking at a lot of the detail, but more detail. Execute judgment on all and convict all. And notice this word that keeps coming up. Uh, all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds for they have committed in an ungodly way and all of the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him so ungodly means to be without god so if you're like oh god you know oh he's so harsh and such these are just good people these are ungodly people and these are people that say i don't want you god I said it a million times that it's true. There's going to be no one in hell who didn't choose to be there. They don't want God. Well, they never heard this and that. Listen, God cares more about all of them, and the Holy Spirit convicts everyone of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Again, so many evidences out there. He knocks on the door of every heart, and I'll tell you, everyone that responds, the Lord gets the gospel to them, but at some point, all this winds down because it ain't going to continue on as it is. 
The day's coming when the Lord is coming back. Again, this is at the end of the tribulation. And all this ungodliness is going to come to an end. He's going to rule and reign, and we'll get into it in the weeks to come, the near weeks to come, the Lord willing, for a thousand years. And those physically on earth, listen, they're going to, have to, they're going to be able to make choices, but God's going to rule and reign as a dictator. We're going to rule and reign with him. And guess what? Ungodliness is going to be regulated by the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> going to be taken care of. We're not going to have these little kings and ungodly rulers like that are running around this world today i can't even hardly watch the news anymore it's like mad magazine or something just just buffoonery i mean gosh for goodness sakes they they don't even like try to hide anymore you know we need money for the next pan pandemic like bro where are you getting this from anyhow mini rant let's read verse 11 through 16 here he says now i saw heaven open and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and make war, makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name was called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Notice those capitals there. Again, this is, this is during the day of the Lord, which again, some people think it's a singular day. It's a period of time. It starts at the beginning of that tribulation. It starts with the Lord coming for his church in the clouds. The tribulation ends here with the Lord coming down on earth with his saints. And then really the day of the Lord seems to stretch biblically all the way through the millennial reign of Christ before the new heaven and the new earth. There's different perspectives on that, but that's how I've seen it over the years and you know, we don't need to be, in, be dogmatic about or anything, but look at one thing I do know is Jesus is coming. I'm going to be dogmatic about that. As well as the fact that we see him again coming in the air for his saints, for his church. He comes in the air with the souls of those that are absent from the body, but in the presence of the Lord through faith in Christ. We know in 1 Thessalonians 4, their bodies are resurrected and transform and i just get this question all the time what if i'm cremated what if you know what my body's not intact look at people that have different convictions on those things but remember when adam sinned in the garden god said you came from the dust you're going to return to the dust and you give it enough time it's all going to become dust and so if adam if god could take the dust and take care of adam God's going to take care of you no matter how it looks when your spirit leaves that body. And the Lord is going to resurrect those bodies, some from dust, some from ash, some bone intact. Probably be some guys, you know what, that they just died, you know what, right before the tribulation and they're still, you know what, somewhat there, but we won't get into all that detail. But they're going to be resurrected, they're going to be transformed. And we who 
are alive and remain. And every generation has longed for this, and they all should have that hope. And listen, if you pass before the rapture of the church, listen, oh, that's not a, oh, what a bummer. Boy, they were bamboozled. No, we should all live each day with an expectation of the Lord because that causes to live for the Lord. Absolutely. And so those here are gonna be caught up with them. Again, notice 1 Thessalonians 4.16, we're differentiating between the Lord coming in the air, the Lord touching down. 1 Thessalonians 4.16, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God. The dead in Christ will rise first. We just talked about that. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them, notice, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. These are comforting words. But notice in Zechariah, and we've referred to this so many times the last few years, we might need to go to Zechariah and go through that book sooner than later as well. But notice this is part of the description of what we're reading tonight, the second coming of Christ, where we see the Lord coming you know what, not only to Megiddo or Armageddon, but Basra, as well as to Jerusalem at the Mount of Olives. And it says the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. And in that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. And on the Mount of Olives shall split in two from the east to the west, making a very large valley. Half of the mountain shall move towards the north and half towards the south. And it's pretty awesome to go to the Mount of Olives and stand up there and go, this is gonna split one day really soon. So the Lord physically comes back. And again, just real quick, the difference between these two times, 1 Corinthians 15 is a description of the rapture of the church. He's talking about the resurrection of the body for those in Christ. The whole chapter revolves around that. And notice what it says there in verse 51. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment notice in a twinkling of an eye at the last trump for the trump will sound and the dead in christ will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed it's an event that happens in the air in the twinkling of an eye those on earth they don't see it a twinkling of an eye it's like a millisecond you're not going to catch that you just aren't it just happens the church is gone and I really believe it's God giving the world over to what it seems to be longing so much for, a world without Christ, a world without Christians, a world that just wants to wash itself of the things of God, a world that didn't want the one who came in the name of the Father, but wants the one who comes in his own name. And remember that beast rises up out of the nations, and he rises up out of what the nations want. And it seems there's fewer and fewer people that want Jesus to be the Lord of their life. Though there are people coming to the Lord, we're seeing people get saved left and right, which is awesome. Seeing people come to the Lord left and right, but generally out there, you would just see a pushing out of the Lord. It's sad even to see it locally here. It's sad to even see several of these small communities, you know, where we're kind of a county made up of small communities. You see them now as well begin to embrace what many of these cities in our nation have embraced the last 30, 40 years of going out and celebrating sin, celebrating rebellion, going and having parades to celebrate things the Bible says are abominable. And make no mistake, God's word doesn't change. Sin is abominable for the Lord. 
And whenever a nation begins to celebrate its sin and they're proud of their sin, they're no longer ashamed of their sin, judgment cometh very soon. And it's just sad to see it. It's sad to see it locally here. Um, Just because I talk about it all the time and tonight I just don't really feel like uh, given that sin, even any uh, press, uh, you're like, you don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, it doesn't take a whole lot. In the twinkling of an eye, we're going to be gone. And again, this world's going to have seven years with their little beast. They're going to say peace and safety. The troublemakers are gone. And then sudden destruction cometh on them. And again, we do know at the literal second coming, it's described in first, uh, Revolution, Revelation 1-7. We're reading about it now. Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him, even so, amen. Again, that's the description of what we're looking at tonight, where every eye will see. When he comes for the church, it's in the twinkling of an eye, the world, the people on earth do not see that. When he comes back, every eye is gonna see, and again, we know that Israel is going to come to salvation. They're going to look on him whom they pierce and long for. And we've looked at it in a great detail. You know, we took like eight, nine weeks or so speaking of that. Maybe more than that in, Rebel, in, in Romans uh, 9, 10, and 11. And it was, it was probably worthy of twice the amount of teaching on it at least. They're going to look on him whom they pierce and be saved. And again, the tribes of the earth, they're going to they're mourn because of him because of even the judgment that's coming upon them. So again, he comes for us, and then we come back with him. We are those, again, on these white horses, ten thousands of his saints. So I just wanted to throw that out there, just to throw context on this, even though, again, we've been going through this verse by verse, and the context is there, but even, you know what, getting away from the study last week, I think that's important. And it's good for even you to have these references and so forth. Again, verse 11, now I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he who sat on him was called faithful and true in righteousness. He judges and makes wars. Look at John's seen heaven open up all kinds of times here in Revelation. It's, it's an ongoing vision, an ongoing revelation of Jesus Christ. But listen, as many times it has been opened during this book, I don't think there's anything as glorious as this. The Lord literally coming back. Behold a white horse, and think about this. What a difference between the Lord's first coming and his second. Boy, that first coming, Israel was so longing for a Messiah that was a military leader, a Messiah that would come and overthrow Rome who oppressed them, a Messiah that again would raise up their nation to the times when King David was there and even his son Solomon. They were longing for an earthly kingdom. They were ignorant of their sins because of their self-righteousness. And when Christ came the first time, the bulk of Israel missed the Lord for those reasons. He came lowly on a donkey. He didn't come to conquer Rome. He came to conquer sin, death, Satan, and hell, not just to provide salvation for the Jew, but also for the Gentile. And I'm so grateful that God does his things his way and doesn't do it our way. Because if he did it our way, we would be in trouble. Again, when the Antichrist comes, it's going to be a world longing for the same thing. 
a world that does not want the Lord outside of a remnant walking with them and coming to him. And they're going to look for, again, this man who seems to have all of the answers. And this Antichrist is going to show up, and he's going to deceive many with his tongue. The Lord, though, that first time didn't give them what they want. He gave them and us what we need because, again, we know that he didn't come on a white horse as a military leader. He came lowly. He came sitting on a donkey, a coal of the foal of a donkey. He came on a, a little donkey is what he came on as he entered in there to Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. Again, a fulfillment of Scripture talked about there in Matthew 21, 4. And we also know he came as the Lamb of God to take away our sins. He came to conquer those things through going onto the cross and dying for our sins, defeating those enemies, resurrecting from the grave, that whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. We just alluded to him, but remember the Antichrist, when he comes on the scene at the beginning of this time, he's going to come on a white horse as well. We read about that in Revelation 6.1. Now I saw the Lamb open one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, come and see. And I looked, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on it had a bow and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. He's going to look like the Messiah, again, that the world longs for, not a spiritual Messiah that washes away their sin that gets them in right standing with God, but a world with such a seared conscience that just says, give us what we need to survive. And on top of that, he's going to promise even a false peace and a false prosperity that soon will be, again, deteriorated and will be beat down even during that tribulation. But he's going to come trying to appear as Christ is actually going to come at the end of the tribulation. Remember, again, he comes with a bow and a crown, uh, conquering and to conquer. Touched on it throughout this, a bow is kind of a dual word. It's where we get the word bow, where we get covenant from. He's going to come, again, making that covenant for seven years that he'll betray in the middle of the time. It's also where we get the, 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 the word for bow and arrow, which is the word toxin. And so he's going to come with a toxic agenda, and it's a very toxic world that we are living in. Right now, just about everything is loaded with toxin today. Uh, from, from the food we eat, to most of the air we breathe, to most of the water we drink, to the pharmaceuticals, to the junk out there that the world tries to put into our minds. It's a toxic world. Steve, you're getting conspiracy theory now. and Actually, I'm not. I'm being very factual about it. Pray for your food, that it will be sanctified by the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a good thing to do. My son uh, told me, he goes, the other day, Dad, I started listening to Revelation again when you started it like, you know, a year and a half ago or whatever. And that first teaching, so many things you were talking about at that time, they were like conspiracy theories. He said every single one of them have proven to be true <laughs> just a year and a half later. True as can be. Oh, no, you know, you're, no, true as can be. They're all established. And it wasn't that I knew something. It was just like digging a little and like, hey, you know, there's some nonsense going on here. And boy, we have been subjected to it, but praise God for our Lord that goes before his people and even puts, puts a hedge around them. Just real quick side note here, real quick side note, the question comes up, will there be animals in heaven? Will my pet be in heaven? Well, your pet probably won't, but you'll have horses that fly. So 
Probably an upgrade there. And again, you ain't going to miss your pet because you're going to be the presence of the living God. So when you start feeling, oh, Fluffy won't be there. God gave you Fluffy here. You enjoy Fluffy. Thank God for Fluffy. Fluffy has a short shelf life, though. And in glory, you're going to have the Lord Jesus before you. And there are going to be horses that fly. And you're going to know how to ride it perfectly and wonderfully. So... Again, we don't appease the flesh and, oh, but, you know, tell people what they want to hear. No, the flesh is the, 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 that, that animal cease when they pass. Go read Ecclesiastes. But you know what? There's good news. The Lord Jesus Christ has all that you need, and the things he gives to us are great blessings. Pets and animals, they are great blessings. A cruel man is, is a, a wicked man is cruel to his pets, and uh, there's no doubt about that, but you're going to be taken care of just fine in glory. So uh, we got a lot to look forward to. It says, he who sat on him, he who sat on that horse is called faithful and true. This is the Lord Jesus Christ. It's one of four names we read about here, additional names of the Lord. He, he, he has, again, so many titles, so many attributes. Really, we are going to be learning of them, I believe, for all of eternity. And again, he is faithful in all things, amen? He is faithful to us. He absolutely, in his time as well, he was faithful on earth to serve the Father. He was faithful in fulfilling the prophecies concerning his first coming, over 300 of them. The, the odds of that are astronomical. We really don't have numbers to, to, to fit the odds of those 300 prophecies being fulfilled to the detail, to the T. And again, he will be faithful to all of these promises and prophecies in Scripture, the glorious ones we rejoice in, as well as these judgments that should sober us up to preach the gospel of Christ, as well as these judgments that so many people shake their fist at God and curse them concerning. God does not appease men. God does what God does, and his thoughts and his ways are so much higher than ours. And praise God in his faithfulness. I love 2 Timothy 2.13. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. And that's the glorious thing. He's talking to the believer there with saving faith. But boy, our walk with the Lord is a, you know what? It is a narrow and difficult road. The Lord describes it as such. And boy, it is a road where the Lord wants our faith to grow. And there's times when our faith is challenged. There's times when, you know what? We don't walk in faith as we should. Anyone ever been there before? We fall down. We shrink back. We're like Abraham at times doing the same thing we did before. Like, bro, when are you going to say this is your wife and not your sister, you know? How many times are you going to do that? And then his kid does it once. You know, we do that at times, but praise God, God is faithful to his children. And maybe tonight you've been stumbling and bumbling and so forth, Will the Lord listen? He is faithful to you. Let the Lord pick you up. A righteous man may fall seven times, but he rises again. And I praise God for his faithfulness because if he has not, had not been faithful to me and continues to be faithful to me, I'm in big trouble. I'm in big, big trouble. He is faithful and he is true. He cannot speak a lie. His word is true and his word always is upheld by him. In fact, again, this is one of his titles. He is faithful. He is true. He said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me, and that is the absolute truth. 
There's not back doors into glory. You can't work your way there. It's not the good deeds outweighing the bad. We are sinners, and it's only getting those washed by the truth, by the Lord Jesus Christ, that will set you free. He's the only one that made the atonement, dealt with our sin, conquered in it. Conquered it, and I just rejoice in him. And I just rejoice as well, and I think sometimes we need to consider this and rejoice. Aren't you glad that our Lord's name is faithful and true versus flaky and liar? <laughs> I mean, think about it. At times I do this, and I just, and I go, okay, oh, you know, my, my like steam starts coming off my mind because it's just like so overwhelming that the God who made us is the perfect God of love. He is true, He is faithful. He came down and died on the cross for us when we were enemies of his. It's just, just, we are so blessed. We're so fortunate, faithful and true. But again, that one, that imposter that will come, that's soon to come, that beast, that false Christ, that antichrist, he's unfaithful and he is a liar, just like his father, the devil. And it says in righteousness, he judges and makes war. And so again, righteousness being 100% right before the Father and 100% upright in everything that he does. And there's a whole lot of people out there that don't want to hear this. They think they're righteous and God's unrighteous. They even think they're going to stand and they're going to judge God. It ain't going down like that. You need to know that. God has given us his law, and his law shows us that we are sinners. I know the devil works hard to hide that law, but that law is written on every man's heart. It absolutely is. And when he judges and he makes war, it's going to be 100% upright. It's going to be 100% just. It's going to be 100% righteous. And if your flesh resists that, crucify your flesh. Because sometimes our flesh will begin to line up with the world. My God's a God of love in the sense that everyone's going into heaven except for Hitler and Mussolini and a couple other people. No, outside of Christ, everyone's going to hell. We only enter through the shed blood of Jesus Christ who absolutely took the wrath due us, who was judged for us. He who knew sin became sin for us, but he conquered sin, death, and hell again when he rose from the grave he atoned for our sins on the cross and this judgment is absolutely righteous but again boy the world the world doesn't like that jesus the world likes the idea of jesus there in a manger you know a a baby that just seems so unintimidating a lot of even like the idea of jesus riding on a donkey because again the idea of him riding on a white horse judging and making war with an ungodly world Oh boy, you know, that's, that's Old Testament. No, 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 that's New Testament. <laughs> God's the same God throughout all of it. There's a pure consistency, let me tell you. Oh, God just showed wrath in the Old Testament. He gave those peoples at times four or five hundred years to repent. And those judgments came again when their sin finally reached the tip of heaven. And they were so proud of their sin, they paraded it around and they celebrated it. Again, very much like our world today. His judgments are true. But again, the world don't want to hear this. Let's make sure we're not like the world. The world, again, that rejects Christ, the Christ of the Bible, they love wearing some shirt like Jesus is my homeboy. You know, Jesus on there with glasses, smoking some weed or something. You know, Jesus hung out with sinners. Yeah, he did, and he told them all to repent. How about a shirt that says Jesus judges and makes war? You ever seen one of those? (laughs) 
But again, praise God, he has made the way. He's made the way for any and all. No matter what sin you brought in here, you're involved in, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ has made the way for you to be lavished with his love and forgiveness, humble your heart and call on his name. It says his eyes were like a flame of fire, on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no one knew except himself. Eyes of fire. We read about these in Revelation 1.14, Revelation 2.18. This is a picture of the fact that no creature is hidden from his eyes. Notice Hebrews 4.13. And there's no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Nothing escapes his notice. Nothing does. And again, this also speaks of his judgment. Revelation 20, 15. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. He sees all, he will judge all, and outside of him, all will burn. The truth of the matter here. On his head were many crowns. Again, he's the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He wears many hats, many titles, many attributes. This mainly, though, I believe, refers to him cutting off all the other kings of the earth. The kings of the earth now that outside of always a, you know, the Lord always has a remnant, I believe, in just about everything. But the bulk of the kings, the rulers, they join together and they plot and people say, oh, they're plotting for this political angle or they're plotting for that political angle. Ultimately, the bulk of them plot together to throw off the counsel of God, to push away the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible says. Psalm 2, 1. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointing. So you need to know when you're like, you hear just craziness, what in the world's going on? This is what's going on. When you go, how could they be so dumb? This is so, this is just so, they're like delusional. Sin, sin's stupid. Sin makes you stupid and it makes you do stupid things. And you see our culture so many ways falling apart because of stupidity. I don't say that to try to puff myself up or to say, you know, in of myself, I have all the answers, but I know God's word has all the answers. But I know as well, if you push off the Lord, just stupidity is going to run amok. And you just see it at an all-time high, it seems. It is the rulers and the kings saying, let's cast off the counsel of God's word. Let's cast off the scriptures, which absolutely line up with truth at every single turn. Let's just cast it off. Let's do as we will. Hey, if it feels good, we'll do it. And we'll even say it's scientific. Well, there's nothing scientific even about it. When they even see how destructive so much of this nonsense is. Verse three, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh and the Lord shall hold them in derision. And he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. And absolutely, this is the king coming back with this crown to set this nonsense in order. Amen. And I'll tell you, it needs to happen. And I know, I, know I, I would never set a date, but I know it's gonna come soon because this buffoonery, again, that is going on, the, the shelf life just isn't very long. I mean, you just see it. It's, it's, you know, God even is so gracious and merciful. 
just because of just some of these you know uh decisions and things put forward i know his restraining hand restrains so much of, of this foolishness but the day's coming when the restrainer the the, the restrainer is going to be gone along with the church and god's going to say that's the way you want it that's the way you're going to get it then any way you want it that's the way you'll get it and it's going to be, uh, I mean, we, how, how, how long have we been in Revelation? A year here, looking at the tribulation? It is ugly. It's ugly. He has a name written that no one knows except himself. He's way deeper, way above us. Names we don't know, names he only knows. There's still so much that will be revealed about him to us. None of it will ever contradict what we know, though, so know that. Like, oh, I knew the Lord loves rainbows and unicorns in that way. We're going to find out in heaven. No, he hates sin in that way. Again, I'm restraining myself tonight. We'll see how I do. I got 21 minutes left. But listen, as we see through a, dim gla- through a, through a glass mirror dimly, and it says, then we'll know as we'll know him, None of what we'll know will contradict what we know from the scripture. God does not contradict himself. And so even you get some word that contradicts the Bible, that is not charisma, that is not charismatic, that is demonic. And boy, there's a whole lot of it out there hijacking the word charisma and charismatic. We talked a little about that Sunday, we're gonna talk about it this Sunday, a hijacking of a word, boy. Notice verse 13, and he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, And his name is called the Word of God. At his first coming, he shed his blood for us, and his robe was taken from him, torn up and gambled over. At his second coming, again, he'll be covered with the blood of his enemies. His robe will be dipped in blood. I don't got time to read it. We've read it many times in Isaiah 63. We see him again, seen in this time with dyed garments, his apparel is red. He treads the wide press. He tramples them in his fury. Again, blood sprinkled upon his garments and absolutely stained robes. And it talks about in Basra. Again, we see him coming at the Mount of Olives in Basra and Megiddo. It's an area that all loops and comes together. Notice next, he says, his name is called the Word of God. And we'll come back to that other thought here in a minute. One of the names of Jesus is the Word of God. Do you despise the Word of God? Let me tell you, you despise Jesus Christ then. You absolutely do. And I run into a lot of people who say, oh, I love Jesus, but I hate the Word of God. I don't want anything to do with the Word of God. They say, I just like the red words of God. And then you even get into that, they're only like selected words of that. Because you, you, you want to just roll with the words of Jesus? Jesus don't hold back. But really, all the word of God are the words of Jesus Christ. And again, we see this reiterated throughout the scripture. We were in John a couple years back. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. You're tonight questioning the deity of Jesus Christ. Well, God's word declares his deity. Because in John 1, 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory 
as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Thank you, Lord, for that. And then notice 1 John 5, 7. There are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. That is a trinity sighting. The Word here referring to Jesus Christ. And these three are one, and these three bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree as one. Again, the word here is the word logos. Word for language. This is the declaration that Jesus, the word, is the total message of God revealed to man. He is the heart and mind of God revealed to man. He is the divine expression of God. He is the total communication of God to man. The Lord Jesus Christ, the word of God. Again, a word is composed of letters. We know that Jesus is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. Revelation 1.8. Listen, in Jesus you perfectly see the Father and in the Word of God you perfectly see Jesus Christ. He is the Word of God. And again, as I said, you can't say I love Jesus and hate the Word. And again, that's even so popular today in so many churches. You know, you get in doctrine, you get into doctrine combating false doctrine. You know, people get called out. There's been times when I have called out individuals at the leading of the Lord, and they said, well, you know, we don't preach doctrine, we just preach Jesus. It's like, bro, if you ain't teaching doctrine and the word of God, you ain't preaching Jesus. You're preaching another Jesus. Because it all goes together. Jesus said in John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Hey, that's pretty awesome, is it not? I hate God's word. Well, Jesus said, if your words abide in you, whatever you ask for, you'll get. Oh, I didn't know that. I'll tell you what, though, if his word's abiding in you, you're gonna ask for things that God would want, not that your flesh would want. Notice verse 14. And the armies in heaven, church siding, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Again, this is Jude 14. Behold, the Lord comes with 10,000s of his saints. Notice the armies in heaven. We're called soldiers throughout the scripture. Even when we come back with the Lord, we will be soldiering for the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope that's not the first time that we're found soldiering for the Lord because we're called a soldier right now for the cause of Christ. 2 Timothy 2, 3, therefore you must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And here's the thing, listen. If you're a good soldier of Christ, you're like, I follow the Lord. He is my God, I live for the Lord. You're gonna have some hardships. Not in the sense of everyone has hardships in the world, it's a fallen world, but there's gonna be hardships that are absolutely the result of serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Spiritual warfares, at times just people so opposed to you because of your faith, people wanting to, you know what, destroy you, come against you, different challenges, different things that the Lord brings along just to stretch our faith, to grow us and so forth. Look, if you can follow the Lord, God doesn't spiritually provide a big couch and Jesus donuts for you to eat all day. He says, I'm taking you to the Lord's gym. We're gonna go get you in shape. We're gonna grow you. We're gonna stretch you. You got saved. You're a baby Christian. Start eating the milk of the word and start growing. And now I wanna raise you up to be a soldier. 
I want to raise you up to be about the business of God. I want to raise you up to be a vessel of honor, useful for the master's purposes. And I'm going to tell you tonight, listen, if you never endure those hardships, if you never encounter them, if this sounds foreign to you, I can guarantee it is because you're not soldiering up for the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the scripture says, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. When I hear people say, the church has to go to the tribulation because God needs to purify his bride through taking him to the tribulation so that, again, they go through those trials. I'm like, bro, how are you living today that you're not having trials and tribulations right now? Because I just keep having waves coming. And this church just has one wave after another after another. But as those come, I see God building a people up and standing for the Lord Jesus Christ. So you're living in a completely different world. Completely different world is foreign. Again, I don't got time to read it, but Ephesians 6, 10 through 18 talks about this spiritual warfare that we are engaged in. And we need to engage it on our knees, a people of prayer. Not, I pray when I feel like it. No, I pray every day. I'm in God's word every day. I'm praying for people intervening. Because let me tell you, the spiritual warfare that talks about not against flesh and blood, but powers and principalities, it is a real thing. I'm convinced more and more there are more people out there that are demon-possessed and demon-oppressed than there's ever been before. And we need to take authority over that nonsense in Jesus' name. Not walking in fear, not just walking in the defense, but moving in the offense. Oh, Steve, you're going to get the devil. He's coming for you. He already is. He's coming for all of us. So let's stand in the Lord Jesus Christ and soldier up and be a people of praise, a people of prayer. A people that fellowship together, it's a big part of it. How are you going to go to war if parts of your body are isolated or if you're isolated from your army, parts of the body, the charisma, remember Sunday, we all have charisma, we all have gifts, and we're to use them to minister to one another. There might be some people walking on, watching online now, maybe later, maybe when they watch their five minutes and say, I watch online, they'll hit this part right here. You know what I'm talking about. God's called us to soldier up. Not to be lone wolves, but to move forward together in the Lord Jesus Christ. Can we say amen to that tonight? And I'll tell you, when we come back with the Lord, we're going to be super soldiers. We are absolutely sown in corruption, but we'll be raised in incorruption. Sown in dishonor, raised in glory. Sown in weakness, raised in power. Sown in a natural body, raised in a spiritual body. First Corinthians 15, 42, 43. In fact, this is in verse 49. And we have borne the image of the man of dust. We shall bear the image of the heavenly man. We won't be God, but we will be like Jesus in his resurrected body. You're like, oh, I, I'm still thinking about those flying horses. Bro, you'll be able to ascend, descend, walk through things, still eat and so forth. Go read about the resurrected body of Jesus Christ. Those horses are nothing compared to your resurrected body. Interesting, though, we're coming back with them, but it seems like the Lord's doing all the fighting. <laughs> and here's the thing. We're the soldier for the Lord, but ultimately we rejoice because the Lord does all the fighting. We need to step out of faith, but when we gauge in warfare, we call out to him in prayer, and we preach him, and we have victory through him, 
and we're strengthened through him. I love it. 1 Samuel 17, David and Goliath. Taught that message at Vacation Bible School. I should have worn my stilts here tonight like I did on Friday. Here's the Philistine cursing and so forth. And David says, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. And then he says down there in verse 47, the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into my hands. That Philistine there is a representation of Satan and the demonic. Showed that video last night, Nephilim. You see him in scripture. This dude was one of them. This was a demonic thing. But again, it was not those stones that took him down. It was David's faith in the scripture that one will put a thousand to flight. And like I taught those kids last week, anyone could have came out and had that victory if they just would have had faith. Little eight-year-old Susie could have came out and said, you know what, what's going on here? God said one will put a thousand to flight. I'm trusting in God to give me the victory. But instead, King Saul and all of them shook in their boots because they looked at the physical thing. David rolled up and he knew the scripture and he said, I'm moving forward by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And God happened to use something that he had put into his hand, not Saul's armor, but a sling and a stone and there were four of them because dude had four brothers. They come back clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And we saw last week or two weeks ago, Revelation 19, 8. And to her was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. Talking about the church at the marriage supper of the Lamb. The fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. But again, we know there's no righteous acts unless we're first made righteous before God. Our righteousness is filthy rags. But in Christ, again, we get clothed with his righteousness. We get clothed with absolutely Christ himself. We're called to put on Christ. And then once we are in Christ, then absolutely righteous acts can come forward unto his glory. Again, we were called unto the Lord, his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, Ephesians 2, 10. Don't got time to read it, but again, in Zechariah, very interesting passage. You see the accuser of the brethren as we're talking about warfare. You see him accusing Joshua the high priest, Old Testament here. And yet you see the Lord defending him. You see the Lord saying, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. And then you see the Lord taking away Joshua's filthy garments and absolutely saying, I remove iniquity from you and I clothe you with rich robes. That's us in the Lord. Moving forward in the Lord. And you know what's glory? Glorious? Again, when we come to Christ, those garments are put on us. I know in this world, at times, we muddy up our feet and praise God. Again, he's faithful to us practically, but gloriously in heaven, those garments are gonna stay clean from head to top to bottom of the foot the whole time. There's gonna be no sin nature, no no sin, no temptation. And I'll tell you something well about these types of robes. They're very comfortable. And you know what? You go home and you put on a robe because you're at home. And we're going to put on those robes because we're going to be at home in heaven forever. We're going to be glorious. Perfect fit, too. It ain't going to rip out. Your, your shirt ain't going to rip out when, when, you know, you're about business and whatnot. And so, again, on these white horses, they followed him on white horses, We'll perfectly follow him forever. And praise God, 
Let's be following him here on earth, amen? We're saved to follow after him. We should be praying for his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. That's praying for the coming of the Lord as well as God working in our lives day in and day out. It says, verse 15, now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations and he himself will rule them with a rod and I- rod of iron. He treads the winepress of fierceness and wrath of almighty God. Notice the word of God just keeps coming up over and over and over again. Again, this sharp sword is the word of God. Hebrews twelve fourteen. the word of God is living, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. He strikes the nations with the word. If you're of this mindset, oh, God's word, that's out of date now. I remember that heretic, Rob Bell, sitting on the stage with Oprah and saying, when are we gonna, saying he's a pastor, when are we gonna quit listening to these ancient writings of 2,000 years ago? Like, bro, you have no fear of God. God's word is the most relevant, the most current book on the face of this earth to this day and will be until the coming of the Lord into all of eternity. Get into God's word. God's word, again, is all over this second coming of Jesus Christ. He's gonna strike the nations. He's gonna rule them with a rod of iron. Matthew 25 goes into the judgment of the nations. We looked at this a few years ago in the study of the Olivet Discourse. He separates the sheep from the goats. We know all Israel, the remnant left, will be saved. Those nations that took the mark of the beast and followed the Antichrist will not enter into the millennial reign of Christ. They are the goats. There will be a remnant of people, Gentile people, who do not take that mark, It seems they have a faith in Christ and they survive the tribulation. It seems that they benefit or they help preserve Israel and they will enter in with Israel into the millennial reign of Christ physically being there. And again, we will rule and reign in Christ in I guess just different positions that God has for each one of us during that time and it will be glorious. He's gonna reign with a rod of iron. Again, those people in that time, we're gonna get into a lot of detail this soon. They're gonna have an ability to choose. They're not gonna be robots. But God will be in total control in the sense of the prince of the power of the air is gonna be locked up for a thousand years and this Babylonian system will have come to a complete end. The Antichrist, the false prophet are in hell. He'll be in total control. And it will be a glorious blessing to walk with the Lord. Every man will have his own house. He'll build his house. He'll live in his house. He'll plant his vineyard. He'll drink from his, you know, vineyard, his fruits and vegetables and so forth. But it says if they don't go up and give praise to God, there'll be no rain. God's gonna regulate it. And it ain't gonna be perverted. It ain't gonna be, you know, corrupt. It's gonna be God's blessing. And again, God regulating ungodliness. Again, he himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. We read about this in Revelation 14, where it was previewed. Again, from Megiddo to Basra, it's 185 miles long. And we read there, the blood will be six feet high to the horse's bridle. You're like, oh, that's figurative. That's literal. The armies of the earth gathered together. And again, a fitting place. More wars fought there than any other place in the history of mankind. 
considered the center of the world where Europe, Asia, and Africa meet. Finally, verse 16, and, on, and he has uh, on his robe and his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Notice those capitals there. See, Mom, look at Jesus had a tattoo. <laughs> look, at this means a pawn. It doesn't mean to engrave in. We got freedom in Christ. Use your freedom to glorify God. But this is a picture of written on his robe. And what to say, again, King of kings and Lord of lords. It's the name that's above every name. The name that every knee will bow to on heaven, earth, and under the earth. And every tongue will confess Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father, Philippians 2, 9 through 11. And again, this judgment day is coming very soon, but praise God, today's the day of salvation. Today's the day of salvation. Let's make sure we're preaching Jesus to this world. Let's make sure we're taking the gospel out to this world. I'm so blessed, you know what, as a pastor of this church, because we, we got several track racks out there and they're having to be filled every week. And I hope it's not the same person just saying, I don't want these out, so I'm just going to hoard them and put them in a box at home. We just ordered 22,000 more gospel tracks. I think over the years, we've, I, bet we, I, I would think we've given away two, three, maybe 400,000 tracks in the course of the time I've been here. So, somewhere in there. I, I know not all those got out. I do know sometimes, you know what, there's good intentions but I encourage you at the minimum beginning tracks. The one God's, God's uh, the bridge to God, just a phenomenal, clear picture of the gospel. And there's so many of the other ones that talk about different uh, subject matter, second coming of Christ, specific areas and so forth. Those chick, Jack Chick tracks, those comic tracks. Listen, I pretty much got saved as a three-year-old through a Jack Chick track. There were other influences too. But I remember looking at that and seeing hell there and Jesus on the cross, and I'm like, I need to get born again. We need to get the gospel out there. Again, today's the day of salvation. Not saying that's the only way. Look, at we should share, we should talk to people, but that is an easy way and an easy way to get going with evangelism. Easy to go up someone, hey, have you heard about the Lord? Here's a little booklet, encourage you to read it. Conversation might even start from that. The bulk of the people hear this actually appreciate that because the bulk of the people are understanding there's not a whole lot of people out there that care about them. I think pretty much everyone at this point is discovering my government doesn't seem really to care about me. Even the people that want the government to be the God. Jesus cares about these folks. Jesus laid down his life for these folks. Jesus wants to save folks. We want to be a church that is absolutely taking the gospel out a church doing vacation Bible schools, a church doing Resurrection Sunday in the park, a church trying to, you know, make opportunity for us to fellowship, but even trying to make even certain times that are even more hospitable where you say, hey, look it, come to church with me. I'll buy you breakfast this Sunday. So God help us in that, amen. amen. Lord God, we praise you tonight. We thank you that you're coming soon, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for the salvation we have in you. I hope and pray, Lord, every one of your, your saints has been encouraged tonight. I hope and pray, God, that we even leave here with more of an awe of you, even more of a fear of God. Lord, as we've opened your word, I just thank you for it, God. And um, 
I just hope and pray, God, that your word would just shape and mold us. Lord, our faith would grow. We'd abound in you all the more, God. I pray, Lord, you'd help us in these warfares, God, these spiritual wars that we're engaged in. I thank you that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Lord, I know that there's people, they're enemies of the cross, but you've told us to, to pray for them, to bless them, to do good unto them. I pray we can do that, God, walking in your counsel, not in the counsel of fallen men. And Lord God, absolutely, we just want to pray that you'd strengthen us uh, this evening. Give us a fresh endurance, a fresh zeal, a fresh fill of your spirit. We prayed for that early. I want to pray again for that. And Lord, um, we just pray, God, that Lord, in this world we're living and pray for this community, the gospel will go forward in it, the state and nation out to the four corners of the earth. And if you're here tonight, you don't know the Lord. Listen, you've heard some bad news. We're sinners and judgment is coming. Indeed it is. That judgment might come sooner than later for any of us. But the good news is that Jesus Christ is the means, the only means of salvation. And again, he is the way, the truth, and the life. I encourage you to humble your heart, to turn from your sin, to turn to Jesus. That's repentance. It's putting your faith in him to be your Lord. That means, Lord, I, 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 yes, we're saved by grace through faith, but it's faith in him as the Lord of our life. And he'll meet you where you're at. He longs to. Again, the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Just thank you and praise you tonight. Bless our fellowship right now, the rest of this evening. And we just pray these things in Jesus' name, and we sit together. Amen. Amen.